Hey, it's Matt. All Things Cozy is hibernating until September, when we'll return with fresh new cozy topics. Until then, we'll be re-airing some listener favorites. This week, we're traveling back in time to episode 32, when Ben and Marisa from the Murder We Spoke podcast joined us to dive into, of course, the coziest cozy mystery television program of all time, Murder, She Wrote. If memory serves, we were having technical difficulties in this episode, and we had Ben and Marisa share a microphone, which you can hear as they're passing it back and forth, and sometimes one of their voices is kind of like a little out there and off-center. That's because they were good sports and sharing a microphone. I wish I could say that those days are behind us, but they're probably not. If you're hungry for even more Jessica Fletcher discussion, and why wouldn't you be? Check out our two appearances on Murder We Spoke. We appeared on the episodes Murder by Appointment Only and Dead Letter, and I'll leave a link for those in this episode's description. Without further ado, here's episode 32, Murder She Wrote with Murder We Spoke. Hi, and welcome to All Things Cozy with Matt and Jillian. We are a bi-weekly podcast about everything that is warm, soft, and comforting. Finally, the day has come to travel to Cabot Cove and discuss <laughs> Murder, She Wrote. To help us explore the coziness of this legendary show, we're joined by Ben and Marissa, hosts of the Murder, She Wrote breakdown podcast, Murder, We Spoke. Welcome. Hi. Hey, guys. Hi. <laughs> Thank you so much for being here and also for sitting through fully an hour of us trying to figure out the technology. So we are really indebted to you. Well, I fully enjoyed it. So <laughs> no problem here. It's, it, was like, it was like looking in a mirror because that's every time I try to do a podcast. It's like, oh, no, it's going to take an hour on top of actually recording it. Cool. Yeah. That's, no, that's how, that's how podcasts work, guys, You're behind the scenes. Everything stopped working. And now we're even recording without headphones on, which I'm typically used to hearing the sound of my own voice, which... Really, again, I was saying this earlier, defeats the point of me doing a podcast, because that's why I started one, and so <laughs> I'm only kind of half-pleased right now with how everything's going, because I can't hear myself. Well, we had lovely banana bread. That's right. That you guys Ben brought, brought banana yeah. bread. Thank you so much. Had Reese's I, in it. And Marissa. No, Ben brought it. It was a little dry, though, guys. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be honest I with you. I loved it. No, I thought it was delicious. Okay. You're too hard on yourself. Thank you. <laughs> it was, we're all yeah. things cozy so <laughs> that's our job so um so you have a podcast about murder she wrote and we're so excited to have you because this is a topic that we've been meaning to discuss forever i feel like it was the first one of the first things we talked about like we're starting an all things cozy podcast we eventually have to do a murder she wrote episode and i took it so seriously that i was waiting for the right time. He searched high and low. Waiting for the right <laughs> guest. I really did search high and low, and then I found your podcast, and I was like, this is perfect. They have to come on and talk about the show. So thank you so much. We're finally ready. And we live like <laughs> two miles away, so it's like right down the street. So It, it's it really, couldn't be better. It's uh, serendipity is what it is. <laughs> All right, so the, the segment that we normally start with is what's making you feel cozy this week. What's making me feel cozy this week is the Nick Offerman and Amy Poehler show, Making It, which is basically... The Great British Baking Show. I, I, you know what? You should just host this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just, I, I just know exactly what you're going to say, because it is. It's the Great British Baking Show, but with people doing crafts instead of baking, and it's every bit as wonderful and charming and delightful as 
Exactly. The so Bake basically, Bake. they took the formula of the Great British Bake Off and they just mm-hmm. made a crafts. It's even like it's the same format and everything. It's like the same number of contestants. One's eliminated per week. Mm-hmm. But instead of baking a delicious uh, pastry we've never heard of before, they're making, I don't know, a terrarium. Yes. So it's, it's super cozy. And I think it really knows that. It's clearly the producers were like, we need to just do the same thing. But we need to put our spin on it, which was crafting. And they're great friends in real life. And too. they're great friends in real so, life. They have excellent layer. chemistry. Yeah. Um, I love the judges. And um, again, if I had anything put together today, I would have written down their names, but I don't know. They're funny. And, you you know, slowly you learn to appreciate the crafters. There is one thing, though, I wish they did, which is I wish they had more of like doing the same thing because each crafter has their own focus. And so one's into felt, one's into, I don't know, like wood, woodworking. And so it's hard to judge when the medium is totally different. Whereas in Bake Off, you had like, they all had the, the exact same, same ingredients. Yes. They're making the same things. So you could really tell as a viewer, like, oh, that's terrible. So. I, d- I do wish they had something like Bake Off where it was, okay, yeah, we're going to give you all this kind of blanket craft thing. I wish they mm-hmm. were just like, we're stealing their idea. Right. Just steal it outright. Don't be like, have a technical challenge where everybody kind of has to make the same thing from this kind of s- small set of instructions and see how well people do. I wish they had done something like that because yeah everybody in their own discipline it's like judging art is probably the dumbest thing ever like it's right. just so hard it's it's so hard and nick offerman doesn't he specialize in wood making right so he might have a little bias perhaps he, he does have like more glowing feedback for the woodworkers that's for sure so i, I call foul as well mm. but he's that i feel like that's why he's not one of the judges he's like i understand right. my own bias but they do have the woman from etsy is one of the judges the woman oh, who yeah. runs who like does and she only just it. talks about like if if things are trendy or not oh that's God. exactly what i was gonna say if you want to <laughs> hear the the phrase on trend a lot she's your gal because she is always talking on trend those tassel tassels are so on trend right now these earrings are pro- i see these like terrariums on etsy are so on trend right now and it's like oh dear and if it's not on trend god help you why would you bother i know why would you bother and what's the price the price is a hundred thousand dollars which is way more serious than the the pie platter they give the bake-off people. I, to be honest, it's like, you know what? I wish they had just given them, like, because they give them patches. Like, it's right. so, so adorable. They give them patches when they win a, a challenge. Mm-hmm. I wish that they had, like, just you have, you get a big patch when you win. Like, the money isn't the point. It's the prize. Like prestige. That's, yeah. It's the prestige. Thank you. Yeah, they could have. It's almost too much money. It's obscene. It is an insane amount of money. For, like, a, like midsummer, like, an August show. It just started in August on right. NBC. It's like... It already got picked up for season two. Oh, thank goodness! I was because I, I was a little nervous for that show when they announced it. I wanted it to work, but yes. I wasn't sure. And they so. dropped it. Yeah, they dropped it in August, and I was like, I saw a couple billboards, but I had no idea what it was for. And it's not like I'm watching NBC on the regular to know what it's about. Well, Luckily, maybe they have some clout there. Yeah, I think that's exactly what I was like. Oh, Parks and Rec, our last hit show. Yeah, fine. You can have. <laughs> yeah. You can do whatever you want. Yeah. What are they going to spend all that money on anyway? Like hot glue and buttons and apparently felt. felt yeah, you mentioned yeah. felt a lot. Um, <laughs> a lot. <laughs> sorry. Um, sorry, I'm, I'm over mentioning felt. Things. You but keep I'm your felt that is to yourself. <laughs> You're in mixed company. It's embarrassing. <laughs> I just felt like I had to mention it. That's actually a joke from the show, folks. <laughs> Anyway, check it out. It's so cozy. It kind of makes you sick. Absolutely. I will say, <laughs> there's one thing. It, like There is a downer in the first episode. Oh. I don't know if I even want to spoil it. Can you it. spill the bean? I'll spoil it. But there's a, an older gay gentleman on the show, mm-hmm. and they're kind of talking about, like, 
because the first thing they had people do was like a family thing, make a, a family album, like a out of the box family album. And he was like, well, I don't really talk to my family. When I came out, my family sent a black wreath to my work and said, <laughs> in, that was mem- insane. That, in, in memory of our dead son. And it's like, <gasps> whoa. So he's like, so I don't talk to them anymore. And it's like, can he win now? He should win now. Did right? he grow like, up in an episode of Dynasty? How I, did that exactly. Happen? It's like, yeah, what soap opera did you grow? So I was like, that is like, and it comes out of nowhere because it is this happy, fun show. Yeah. And it's like, oh, by the way, this most horrible thing that you've Escalated ever heard of quickly. happened to me. But also, I like to cut out paper, and it's like, okay. That's not even where I thought you were going with that, because in that same episode, there's an older woman who I felt so sorry for who no. ends up getting cut. Spoiler. That's a real spoiler. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Cut from the show and cut her hand. She bled all over her yes. craft at the end. It was so sweet and heartbreaking. She like truly put her blood, sweat, and tears into the craft, only to go home. And here, and the thing is, the stuff she bled on, she literally took like her grandma's old crochet stuff and like repurposed it, and then bled all over See, it. See, this is it's, too much. The, like, it's, I, it's this show's pulls got on my heart strings. I was gonna say the that's a reason I don't watch any competition shows is because I get heartbroken right. when anyone leaves like her immediately I would start crying once a gay dude leaves tears so I try that that I could watch the great British baking show because I feel like they're nice to each other right oh yeah oh yeah they're really sweet I need that That's I can't like, watch and they're really nice to each other on, on making it too yeah but once someone leaves I'm like oh they're on national tv and she got a lemonade in the first round and I know. It's I re- really sad. I really wanted me. the grandma to make it at least to the second episode. It almost felt like ageist that she got eliminated first. It's like, now- sorry, she can't make things fast enough. She's <laughs> making it so fast. She's no. bleeding all over it. But now that I know, I feel like I can watch it because if I can't anticipate who's going to leave ahead of time, I won't get attached and I can just keep it going. But the one the one good thing about that this show does that other shows don't is when they eliminate people at the end, instead of just being like, credits roll, this person's gone and we're done. They go back to like Amy and Nick like are on the porch of this little tiny house and the person gets to come up and they do like a little bit and stuff. Mm -hmm. So it's like they're not really gone. They're just so it's like they make it like, yeah, you lose, but you get to go hang out with Amy and Nick for a little bit and it's fine. Definitely going to watch this later. Check it out. Julian, what's making you feel cozy this week? Twitter conversations between good old Willie Geist and his wife. Okay. You have to qualify that because Twitter conversations is already bringing me into a not cozy. I know, direction. I know how you yeah. feel about Twitter. Right. Willie was one of my cozy celebrities in the past, and just scrolling through Twitter, and I noticed some cute banter between him and his wife. I think they've been together for a long time, and they believe they have two kids, but I could be wrong on that. And so they had this one conversation where I guess they had done the laundry on their their bed, changed their sheets. And Willie was so tired, he just wanted to sleep on top of the bed because, you know, you know when you do your laundry late at night on a Sunday and you don't feel like that freaking fitted sheet is the bane of my existence trying to get it on and it always pops off. And I will admit, I slept on a bare mattress in my day. Um, of course, <laughs> yeah. Not even a towel on top of it? No. <laughs> I sweat in my sleep. I'm just like, Meh, I'm clean. I'm fine. Yeah. And so then his wife was like, there's no way we're sleeping on a bare mattress. It's like a silly conversation, but so it's not just they're trying to be hashtag relatable. It's just cute little banter that they have. So it's a nice Do you reprieve. reply to them at all? Do you interrupt Yeah, I debate? jump in, yeah. Get, my, get, get on the, get on the ba- debate. Get the fitted sheet on, Billy. Stop. Silly Willie. Hashtag team fitted sheet. That silly Willie Geist. That's why you don't want to come over to my house, because we just had two weekends in a row with house guests. Don't worry, you guys. I'm okay. I survived. It's, a, it's fine. But 
my husband is like, oh, you need to wash the sheets before the next house guests get here. I'm like, I don't, are you, are you riling me up? Is that true? Because I don't think that's a thing. It's so daunting. He's they like, they he's, won't know. Exactly. He's like, no, you definitely have to. And I was like, but the, it's a fitted sheet and I don't want to put on that bed. And he's like, no, you have to. So if you're a house guest in my house and I have any say, so you're sleeping on old sheets. Just, have, <laughs> yeah. just oh, FYI. You've been it's warned. It's too much to ask. I mean, I wish they had these huge fitted sheets. I should get an like extra, extra, extra large or something and just call it a day with tent on my bed or You should something. just get a hammock. That's what it sounds like. <laughs> it's a hard, it's a struggle. Apparently you have a perfect fitted sheet. No, for, for, but no. you know, it's just, it's Palms just. for me over there. It's just a fact of life that I've come to accept. I still haven't, I guess. <laughs> 20, almost 29. I fall asleep on the couch and then wait for my boyfriend to do it. And then I pretend to wake up and I'm like, oh, you made the bed. Thank you. <laughs> so I just make sure I got to try yeah. that one out. How about you? What's making you feel cozy this week? So there's a Netflix movie called To All the Boys I Loved Before. And I had no idea what it was about. I just saw people tweeting about it saying they felt sick and they watched it on their couch and all of a sudden felt better. So I decided to watch it. So it's magical properties. Yeah, it was so heartwarming. So... It's do you, have you either of you seen it? No, I, it's no, it's in my I'm, list. Yeah, though, it's I mean on my list. Okay, yeah. so it's about I guess it's based off a novel, but a girl basically she had written five letters that got mailed out to boys she had crushes on before, and so and she's in high school, and it seems almost cringeworthy, but if it's a that good kind of cringing where you're kind of squealing mm-hmm. and it's really cute, and I don't know, I think I also like it because they're showing not just white people on TV, but just in a normal setting. And I think that was really refreshing. And the the dad was from Aiden from Sex in the City. So that was familiar. Oh. Yeah. So I really like that. And um, Glad Harry's getting work. Exactly. And from Pretty Little Liars, if anyone watches that, Mona. Stop. Yeah. <laughs> you have my attention. So Mona <laughs> is the older sister. And it just was familiar. And it mm. was... Very, um, it wasn't too long, but it just was one of those things that made you feel good. And I've been telling everyone to watch it because it just made me happy. And it's one of those shows I'm going to be able to rewatch our movies over and over again. It sounds great. Netflix has been killing it with the heartwarming teen dramas. Like Alex Strangelove was also really nice. I have a question about the plot. Did you say that the character is in the future of these letters accidentally got sent out or it was when she's a teen so she's in high school and whenever she has a crush on like a boy from campers i don't know something she wrote a letter just to get the emotions out but then just tucked it away in a desk drawer Ah, and then they got sent out um, who sent them her little sister because she's kind of her older sister leaves for college so now she's an older sister and the mom had passed away but you may, it makes it seem like it's also going to be really cringy and sad. But they do it really well. And you see the sister relationship. And I don't know. I, it's hard to describe. It just is one of those movies that makes you feel so happy. Kind of like a You've Got Mail. Where it's Sounds like good. Yeah. Where even if something bad happens, it's really not that bad. Mm-hmm. And it all ends up, I don't know, heartwarming. Ben, how about you? What's making you feel cozy this week? Uh, the dish of chili. <laughs> <laughs> Just chili. I've had. I, I feel like I'm trying to force fall, which is crazy because it's August in LA, so we have at least three more months of summer left. But I just want it to be fall so bad, so I'm just like, yeah, mi- slow cooker chili. Had it going in my house this weekend, and I was like, this is 
great. I'll turn the air conditioning down a little more so it feels cold, even though it's 90 degrees outside. But even my husband was like, after Labor Day, that's the one coming up, right? He's like, let's decorate our house for Halloween. Let's be like one of those weird Christmas people <laughs> who decorate so far in advance. Let's just decorate two months of Halloween. I'm like, I'm on board. God bless you. I, I'm to totally me. behind that. I, I did the same thing last year. So this is my kind of year off of that. I'm going to start a little later than I usually do. But I completely am the same. Like, I want mm-hmm. fall to be here. Someone was tweeting about pumpkin spice lattes. I guess they're out now. This or? is yeah. the week. This, this is the week they're out. So Is it every same week every year? Pretty much. Pumpkin spice frosted flakes are on the shelves now, apparently. Oh, yeah. All the see- you know it's, the drugstores have all their Halloween stuff out oh, already. Yeah. It's, oh, it's here, guys. Yeah. I will always have a pumpkin spice latte in L.A., even though I'm sweating in August. Because I just need to as, to feel like it's fall. As white as I am, I don't like pumpkin spice lattes. <laughs> I like the I don't know, like pumpkin bread and other stuff. But there's a something about that bread. spice I'm not for. So mm-hmm. it's a one thing. Actually, though, if you put um, Fireball in a pumpkin spice latte, it's like a cinnamony pumpkin, and that's mm-hmm. the one. It's like a good morning, <laughs> like. I sound like an alcoholic. Good morning. (laughs) (laughs) No, I had to go uh, tailgating for a football game, and it was so early in the morning. But you obviously have to be drunk for a football game. So it's like, oh, just mix it with coffee and then have a great rest of your day. That's the only time I'll drink pumpkin spice if it's mixed with Fireball. I feel like Fireball on a pumpkin spice latte sounds like it should be a standard recipe at bars. It should be. We call it a jack-o'-lantern, and it's perfect. That is wonderful. Yeah. Now that's that's cozy. Someone's going to steal that. And also chili. I mean, that's amazing too. I think chili, yeah, chili, 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 fin- chili finally had its due on this podcast. It's been, a, it's about I mean, time. Is there a cozier food? Maybe a pot pie. But I mean, come on. So our next segment is cozy locations, where we describe some a place that's making us cozy forever. I guess it could be any from any time in your life. Julian, would you care to get us started? What's your cozy location this sure. week? Sure. Don't know why it came across my mind, but I went to a writing retreat called Porches in Virginia. Maybe it was like five or so years ago. And what's interesting is the people who own this writing retreat lived in LA their whole entire lives and they're directors and they would go scouting around the world for different locations. And when they're in Virginia, they came across this old abandoned farmhouse off of the James River and they decided to restore it and just make it a writing retreat. And what I mean by a writing retreat is just a gorgeous, beautiful house where you pay $69 a night to just write in total silence amid beautiful scenery. It's just so gorgeous. Yeah, it's, it's to give, I guess, a little context, it's right outside this town called Lovingston, which is not too far from Charlottesville. It's such a cool little town. And it's such a nice feeling to just be in the middle of nowhere, but in, also in a beautiful house. <laughs> so it's not like you're camping or anything. Um, and I have a little description in the about section that I just thought was like a super cozy uh, description of it. And the people who run it, uh, Tr- Trudy is her name, and she's just a really sweet woman. And I feel like any woman named Trudy yeah, has to be welcome. She just leaves you alone, but it's also make sure you have everything you need. And the rooms are so cozy. A little writing desk, quilts. It just has it sounds so ideal. the nine yards. Um, so the description is, Spacious porches and large private rooms provide peaceful views of wooded river bluffs and pastures. After a day of writing, enjoy sitting on the porches, sipping wine as you watch deer browse among the fruit trees. Um, literally, can I go there tomorrow? <laughs> and it's so cheap. Ideal. I mean, like, when you really think about it, for all you're getting, $69 a night when compared to other writing 
retreats, quote unquote, that's pretty good. Oh yeah. That's a good deal. Yeah. Are there is it crowded or is it just you? Well, there's only a certain amount of rooms. So I think there's about maybe five rooms and they have communal spaces, the living room, and they have all these amazing knickknacks because like I said, they're directors and they're scouted locations all over the world. So uh, you just look through all their treasures and little knickknacks and then you go up to your room and there's you know, it's a quiet floor and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. I think about maybe five or so rooms. So we were never bombarded by people. I think I saw me one person. Does everyone get their own porch or you share porches? Gotta share your porches. <laughs> but it was nice just to walk onto the porch at night and just see the the stars. I you don't really think about well on the East Coast, but you can it was a beautiful view and just standing out on the porch. That's why it's called porches. That sounds amazing. Yeah. That's that incredible. D- I'm, I'm surprised it took you this long to mention it. That's what I was thinking too. <laughs> I, I, like, this is, I had this up my sleeve. You were holding on. You were, yeah. you were hoping this podcast would be over and done with before you could so have to porches, if you're in give Virginia. up porches. Now yeah. it's going to be overrun with writers. I know. <laughs> um, my cozy location this week is the Montalban Theater rooftop in Hollywood. Have you been to that at all? No, but I've heard of it and I've been wanting to go. I had no idea it existed, but the other week I had a date to see Slender Man with a, fr- with a, a friend. And, you know, that's already starting out really cozy. And because we're off of Movie Pass, we look up and, and everything's spotty. So no Slenderman showings yeah. in, you know, ever. So we couldn't see that masterpiece, unfortunately. So I didn't see Slender Man. But they found this like double feature of, um, oh God. Oh, it was. Um Adam Sandler movie. Yeah, and what's what's the one with um it's not Happy Gilmore, it's Billy Madison. Thank you. So they found a double feature. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know what I'd be doing without you. Yeah. <laughs> I- <laughs> ben is the show notes. He replaced um, me. Uh, a double feature of Billy Madison and something about the Phantom of Liberty. And so this is high low series, and so they're showing like a classic film that's um well regarded about a similar topic and, and alongside like a, a lowbrow comedy. And I mean, it was a work night, so I did not make it to the good movie. So I watched. <laughs> oh my god, I'm blanking on the name again. Billy Madison. Billy Madison. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say what? you didn't make it to the good movie, so you just saw the Phantom of Liberty. <laughs> <laughs> Billy Madison is so bad. I, 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 I can't express how much I despise Billy Madison. And also, I don't know. I just, I. It must have been a different time because I feel like it reminds me of when I'm watching the Three Stooges, and I'm like, well, I guess somebody at some point found this funny, but. You watch it now and you're like, God bless him. I don't know. It was, yeah. it was so easy to please people back then. To be fair, I probably haven't seen it since I was like in my late teens. But I oh, feel like watch it. Even that that scene at the end, though, when he gives that rambling answer and the guy that's judging the competition does that and we're all stupider for having heard it speech, mm-hmm. that's still got to be funny. Oh, that though, guy's right? brilliant. That okay. actor and all of his lines are wonderful. Okay, I was like, that because in my mind, that is the first thing I think of when I think there of There are, I mean, it's not without its merits. It has like three funny scenes, including that one, but otherwise you're just watching Adam Sandler do baby talk, and I don't know why anyone <laughs> wants to watch that. Anyway, I, I, that's not the point. The point is... <laughs> The rooftop theater at the Montalban is wonderful, and nobody was there. It was just uh, like maybe 30 to 50 people, and you're on the roof, and basically how it works is you're looking at, they're projecting the movie, but they give you headphones that are wirelessly connected to the sound system, and so, because it would disturb the neighbors, and so the sound's really low, but you put the headphones on, you can adjust your volume however you like it. So it's almost like one of those like silent raves, like one of those things. Yeah, the silent disco. And you said they had chairs, too. 
And they had chairs, beach chairs. Which like, is important. No standing I don't like required. just sitting on my butt. They had, there was a stand yeah. for umami burger. There was, um, okay. they had drinks. They had like a couple plates, like the different types of bars open. They had popcorn, other, other food. It was delightful. It was really. Went there on Vanderpump Rules. Really? <gasps> for seeing La La Land. I was literally going to say, I feel like I know someone who saw La La Land there, but no, it's just my friend Stassi on Vanderpump Rules. I remember that Rules. episode, yes. Okay, because okay. that, that, yeah, that looks freaking amazing. Well, anyway, in conclusion, that's how my night to see <laughs> Slenderman turned into a magical evening watching Billy Madison uh, on the rooftop of the Montalban Theater. That sounds great. I love the I just love the idea of doing the highbrow lowbrow. Yeah, that's such it a was, good it idea. It was a cool idea for a series. How about okay. you? What's your cozy location? I, mine's super boring, and I apologize up front, but it's my couch. I've been going that's through. A solid that, that's solid. I just download. I just my friend just turned me on this app called Letterboxd, mm-hmm. which is nothing special. It's just where you track the movies you watch and you like Aww. add them to your diary and you have a watch list and you. Like can write like little reviews and kind of interact with other people about like movies and stuff. Oh, it's a and community. So, yeah. So it was like great. And I'm, I've just been watching. It's been really kind of not forcing me to, but make me want to watch a lot more movies and like go back and like people that I like are like watch this old classic movie that I've actually never seen. It's like, okay, fine. Now it's finally time to see it. And it's like, so I'm like discovering new movies that I've never seen before. So I'm just like. What better on, place for your couch? I'm just on my couch a lot, a lot watching Movies like I watched like The Informer, which is like a John Ford movie from the mid thirties, mm-hmm. and I watched Conspiracy, which is like the like, just Nazis. It's Twelve Angry Men with Nazis, <laughs> and it's but it's great. But it's just like all these movies that I never would have gotten around to, and it's like I'm just sitting on my couch and. Really like cool app. I never Do heard they of have it. Billy Madison on Letterboxd. You can give it a half star review because <laughs> there's five stars, so you get to rate all the movies that you that you watch. And yeah, you can go give it the like the most cathartic thing I did was giving Mother that Jennifer Lawrence movie half a star, the lowest. Nice. Wow, it was... that's a pretty polarizing movie. I don't. I, I'm curious as to where I'll stand on that once I finally see it. It's it's on Amazon Prime. It so. is now. Yeah, it's on the streaming services. Yeah. So get on the, get on Letterboxd. My name is Plan Nine, so you can mm-hmm. tell me. And Batman versus Superman is in my top ten movies of all time. So you come to tell me how bad my taste is if you. Oh want. wow. That's that's bold. <laughs> I, I have a lot of friends on Letterboxd, and they, they love it. I, w- I really wish I had joined earlier, because at this point, I feel like it's just... I've lost the chance to track the movies I've seen in my life, because at this point, it, it it's is, gone. Well, it's almost worth it, because when you first sign up, it's like, to get you started, we're just going to show you movie yeah. posters, and you just do the ratings. And it's mm-hmm. like... So I literally... like You flip through all these movies, and it's just like... it's It was just so fun, like... Because I was, I literally, I, I take the bus, so I ninety minute bus ride home, flipping through and rating movies for ninety minutes. It was great. Marissa, what is your cozy location? So my cozy location is actually my mom's backyard. So I'm, while everyone is escaping the heat during summer, I'm always freezing, especially because working in our office, it's like fifty degrees out. So I've been enjoying going to my mom's backyard. So she has a pool and just laying out by myself and having that privacy and just warming my bones. And then when I get Mm. too warm, just jumping in the pool, but I'm able to read and listen to podcasts and just kind of have that alone time, but still be able to, because in my apartment building, there's a pool, but then 
I don't know if there's neighbors or if I'm at no the, it's too to see public. I would never use a neighbor pool. <laughs> exactly. So I can just kind of look like a grunge ball and like read a book and stay warm and toasty and then just go inside and have my mom cook me food. So it's like nice. an oasis. There's nothing better than that. Yeah. It's amazing. Exactly. And then I just go upstairs because then I'm covered in sunscreen. It's like, I, I don't know. Then I just go upstairs and you're back at home. I don't know. It's very nice. Well, Marissa's mom's address will be in the show notes. So if you absolutely have, come find experience us. That cozy location, just look there. She would probably welcome everyone with open <laughs> arms too. That's the thing. Are we ready, guys, to to tackle the yeah. big the big topic Dive for today? In. I think we're here. Yeah. This has been a year in the making. This topic. I'm so excited. We're finally here. I almost feel like I guess the podcast is over after this episode because it doesn't get cozier than Murder She Wrote. Thank you so much again for being here to help guide us through as experts. You've seen many episodes because I'm ashamed to say that as much as I love Murder, She Wrote, as many episodes as I watched as a child with my grandmother, I don't really, I haven't in my adult life, I really have only watched like a handful of season one episodes. Like, and you know, you catch it on cable occasionally, right. but it's, it's, it's some, it's a show that I love, but that I'm embarrassed that I really haven't ever just stuck it out and watched the entire thing. So Neither I'm, have we, so it's okay. Yeah, we, you, you have watched many more episodes right. than I have. Forty so, something, right? right? Yeah, but I'm actually kind of. It's funny because I'm the opposite of everyone, where everyone watched it growing up with their grandparents and everything else. We didn't watch it until we were adults, and my grandma used to force me to watch like Chucky, <gasps> like all those scary movies. So this is like it doesn't remind me of my grandmother, but it's still cozy and comforting, mm-hmm. and I love it just as I've been watching it my entire life. Well, what got you guys into it or what made you guys decide to go down this murder she wrote? Well, we used to host a podcast called Pretty Little Podcasters where we recapped the show Pretty Little Liars. Is, gotta listen. This is like, I'm very embarrassed all of a sudden. I'm like, oh, no, God. No, don't. <laughs> don't feel any embarrassment. It's like, is this an intervention? Why are you making me admit these? You have to admit you have a problem before you can be helped. Okay. We're already people with podcasts. It doesn't get worse. We're at the rock bottom. Have no, there's, no, there's no more shame to have. So, And you're in a safe space. Okay. We're, we're with you. Okay. So during the hiatus, we would watch other movies and stuff that the cast of Pretty Little Liars was in. And on the show, Meg Foster plays like a scary old woman who like tells the fortunes or whatever. And we're like looking at like what's something she was in. We can watch because she's great. We love her. She wasn't He-Man by the way. I don't know why we didn't watch He-Man and the Masters of the Universe. But anyway, she was on an episode of Murder, She Wrote and we're like, oh, that silly old show. This is going to (laughs) be, we'll watch this and make fun of it because it'll be dumb. And then we watched it and we're like, oh no, this is amazing. (laughs) I loved every second of that. (laughs) There's nothing to mock. I'm just in love with this show. It literally made us feel so good that immediately we're like, we have to do something more with this because just from the theme song and the montages and the uh, the camera work is just, it was all, and it's all old people. It's just so comforting to watch. So we just kind of jumped on them. It's a solid pick. You can't really. And you're feeling a niche that is really oddly empty. There aren't many Murder, She Wrote podcasts. We couldn't find a lot of. Podcast. I think we're the last ones left standing because there have been others. Yeah, because we thought like, (laughs) no, they don't exist anymore. I saw to that. But we watched like because I was like, oh, in my head before we even watched, I was like, oh, we could do a podcast about this. Like, we'll make fun of it. People watch it, and it's like when we started doing the podcast after we loved it. It's like, oh no, there's still so many people that watch it all the time that love it, and it's. We're not like just like the ironic kids watching the mm-hmm. silly show. It's like, no, it's like we love the show and people who listen to the podcast love the show too. And like, 
it is those people who grew up listen, like watching it with their grandparents and have these very fond memories of it. Mm-hmm. And we have our listeners recommend the episodes for us to watch. So I like that because then like episodes that hold a special place for them that they mm-hmm. really liked are the ones that we're watching and we're watching kind of for the first time. So I just, yeah, it's just super like, and everybody is so nice. Everybody like, if you watch Murder, She Wrote, you're probably like a really nice person. Yeah, I was going to ask. So your demographic, is it mostly people who your grandmas watch the show now they're just catching up with it or is it older people who are nostalgic for it I feel like it's a kind of combo of everything there's a lot of people who watched it growing up and continue to watch it to feel good but then there's also people who are sharing it with their children Mm. and kind of passing along the the torch the torch yeah for murder she wrote because I think it just elicits that good feeling that they want to reciprocate with other people going forward so before we go dive into Murder, She Wrote as a show, how would you describe it to somebody who has never seen it before? I will say, just speaking of Cozy, I think it might be in Ireland. There's literally a station called Cozy TV, mm-hmm. and Murder, She Wrote is like on repeat there. Just Oh, it's, it's in the U.S. too, Cozy oh, TV. Is it, oh, is it a thing here? Oh, I thought it was oh, just like oh, yes. in Europe or something. <laughs> I, okay. we've, we've discovered it, and... Um, I don't know why we're not on it, but anyway, I don't want to get into mm-hmm. that. Um, but you yeah, guys so need to do on one of those TV. like shows where you host, like you do an intro to the show, mm-hmm. like they did like dinner in a movie that was on what TNT or whatever. All this right, year. right, right. Like that would be the perfect thing. Mm-hmm. Anyway, the someone who has never seen the show before, I would just like walk up to them, wrap a blanket around them, and hand them a cup of tea, <laughs> and I'd be like, "This is murder," she wrote. Does that make sense? Yeah, I would say it's a retired English teacher. In an old town, a small town where, town. yeah, where murder is constantly happening, and it's always light, and it always gets solved because Jessica solves everything, and she's a queen. It is the most lighthearted murder you'll ever see because, like, nothing is. There's nothing over the top. There's nothing gra- like. We watched one episode where you actually saw blood and we were like, just like taken aback. Like, graphic. oh my goodness. Did you write a letter to the network? We did like, I don't know why this is in my <laughs> DVD set. Please take it out. It is just, you get, not only is it just like comfy and cozy because Ka- Cabot Cove is, I want to retire there. I've never wanted to visit Maine until I watched the show. Now I have to go to Maine. The New I've, England magic. Yeah. I've never been to New England. Like, oh, I need to go there immediately. And I want to stay in like, like the place you were just like the writer's retreat you were talking about like i wanted to like stay in a house that's overlooking the ocean yeah where you see like i don't want to leave that house i don't want to like go like wa- maybe i'll go into mm-hmm. town and grab like supper because i'm sure they call it supper there <laughs> <laughs> they do yeah and it's like yeah i just want to do that and also a great thing about it is angela since angela lansbury was a star like she's been like a big deal since the 40s so mm-hmm. when she got on that show all these classic actors and actresses that were past their prime, maybe not seeing a lot of paychecks, maybe needed a little help. She had them on. So every episode, especially in the first like four seasons, you recognize somebody. There's so many classic faces and great actors who are still great actors, by the way. They come on and like they interact with Jessica. And, like you just, it's just so much fun like to see Angela Lansbury, who is a great actress. It's like she turns in a performance. Like she was yeah. nominated for an Emmy every season she did the show mm-hmm. for a reason. Like, cause she is still acting her pants off and she's electric. You cannot take your eyes off of her. There is something about her that it is whether she's, it doesn't matter what she's, whether she's playing Jessica Fletcher or 
you know, Sweeney Todd or whatever, like whatever she's in, she steals the shit. Like she draws your attention. It's so, I mean, and the role is so iconic that it's really hard to even think of Angela Lansbury without thinking of Jessica Fletcher. I know. That's how I always, whenever I see her, that's my immediate thought. I can't disassociate her from the show, which is not a bad thing. Which is so amazing because it's it's such a commitment to do a show that lasted as many seasons as it did. How many seasons did it get up to? Twelve. Twelve. There you go. I mean, and she's such a, like an A-list talent of the theater, of film, Mm -hmm. could be doing anything, but she's just plugging away at this show that, I mean... Back then, episodes of tele- like seasons of television were epically long. And some, sometimes they still have to doing network episodes, but like now we're in like an era of shorter seasons where like a show might have mm-hmm. ten episodes. Poor Angela Lansbury was committing to like twenty five episodes a season. It's it's a crazy. Yeah, that's why when you get into later seasons, there are what they call bookend episodes, uh, where Angela Lansbury is like, it is a bit much. So I'll introduce the episode at the top. We'll tell like a story that. Maybe it's even like a fictional, like they'll tell one of her books or whatever, mm-hmm. and then she'll come back at the end of the episode and be like, well, that wasn't that fun. <laughs> so she needed a break, but, and it, it could have gone longer than that, but there was, she had like a bit of a feud with the head of CBS. So, oh, do you how know do what you about? Cross Angela Lansbury. Who's that monster? Yeah, the details? Yeah, well, they, he, she, in the sixth season, or I mean, it was the eighth season. Anyway, she took over as an executive producer because she didn't like the direction of the show. Ratings were starting to slag and she was hell bent on fixing it. So she was like mm-hmm. going to quit. Like she was basically like, I'm Angela Lansbury and I know what I'm doing. So let me do it. And ruffled some feathers or whatever. Who cares? And this guy was like held a grudge. So at the, in their last season, season 12 took them from their Sunday night home and put mm-hmm. them on Thursday night up against friends and that's the ratings slagged uh, enough that they canceled. So wait, Friends killed Murder She Wrote. Friends killed Murder She Wrote, and that's why I've never watched Friends. Greatest tragedy uh, of our time. Yeah, that's a, probably a good choice. But there was <laughs> one. Um, it was totally throwing shade at Friends, and they had an episode where it was on the set of basically Friends, but they called it Buds. Oh but it God. still had the dots between it and Did the they couch. All get murdered? No, well, it was like they were all bickering, and I Mm -hmm. think there was a murder within them, but it was just blatant shade, and it just made me love her even more because I'm like, yes, like they're, I just live for. I like all this trivia. It's amazing. Yeah, it's good. I have to see that episode. Yeah, that's season twelve. It's one like one of the last episodes, and then the final episode is actually called Death by Demographics. (laughs) So, oh my god, they were yeah. The writers, the writers were a little bitter. Yeah, wow. a little bit, a little bit. Does the show, because you, you've sort of hopped around seasons, does it feel, I mean, aside from like, obviously they're the bookend episodes of season 12 or the, the bitter episodes of season 12, <laughs> but beyond that, like, does it feel like the show is the same season to season, like tonally, or does it shift over over the course of time? I, I think we see some shifts, but it's also funny because these are also, like we said, episodes that people are recommending. Mm-hmm. So I think a lot of the cozier episodes per se, or the ones that are hold good memories for people are the ones that are heavy with Jessica. Mm-hmm. So we're kind of getting a lot of season two and season mm-hmm. four kind of their peaks. So we haven't really, I think, delved too much into too much different episodes, I would say. Yeah, they get later in the in the season, like in the series, they kind of get less Jessica centric and like the Friends episode, for instance, like we're maybe 20 minutes in before we even see Jessica because they're setting up all these people and doing all this mm. stuff. Like, I mean, you've written 12 seasons of murder mysteries. You're going to, you know, run out a little bit. So mm-hmm. they have to do all this, you know, all this building and moving all these pieces around a board and then introduce Jessica. And it just kind of 
Stone Falls. But they also, she goes to New York or Ireland for a few years, I think. New York. So they kind of leave Cabot Cove and it's a different vibe. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's good because it's still Jessica, but definitely not as feel good. And the they, streets and they finally, of New York. Yeah, they finally get a reason, too, for all the dead bodies. Because, I mean, like, the, the term Cabot Cove syndrome is related to the fact that everyone dies in Cabot Cove and they had to move it out. Yeah. So New York is nice. I mean, she, she taught criminology for that season, right, in New York? It was that, or I think, again, we haven't seen many episodes from there, but I think she was te- teaching writing. Oh, really? I think she was teaching, like, a writer's course. Do you know what's confusing is, um, and we're going to talk about this on our next podcast, so stay tuned, Um, but we're also reading the novelizations of Murder, She Wrote, and they completely, like, retcon a lot of things that she does, because I just read a book, Mm -hmm. and it said, oh, well, I taught criminology in New York for a year, and I'm like, oh, that must have been what she was teaching, but it probably was writing, and then they even say, there's there's a line in the book I'm reading now and she says, like, she insults a teacher, and it's like, but you were one. And it's and mm-hmm. she's like, oh, I, I wouldn't know how to teach. It's, it's like, what? The, the whole pilot is you being a retired English teacher, <laughs> and right, like, yeah, oh yeah, some they, holes. I listened to an audiobook of one of, of one of the books, mm-hmm. and it was like they completely reckoned it was uh, with Sheriff Metzger who kind of took took over as the sheriff, right? I think after season four. But, like, yeah, they retconned a lot of his stuff with his wife because he had, like, a naggy wife. <laughs> I want to call her Vera, but that's Norm's wife in Cheers, so I can't remember her name. But, yeah, they retconned, like, because, again, it's like this the dude that's writing him, I think, Bane, Donald Bane yeah. is the name. He's, what has he got to lose? Come on. Well, he's going to get some. He goes some, rogue a lot. We'll, we'll get into that on that episode. Yeah. But I just, I just had to, like, I had to justify my confusion over that point. But. But yeah, it's um, it's it's such a cozy show, and also what I love about Murder She Wrote is that when I'm talking about cozy mysteries, like like the Donald Bain versions of Murder She Wrote, and like books basically about you know a scenic town in New England, like Cabot Cove, um, where you there's a amateur sleuth who solves a murder, where there's no blood, it's all kind of domestic. Murder She Wrote is essential for explaining that. I'm like, have you seen Murder She Wrote? People are like, yes, okay, well that's a cozy mystery. That's that's exactly what mm-hmm. it is. So. I really think, like, I mean, that show is probably responsible for bringing in and retaining a huge audience for Cozy Mysteries and, or establishing one. Absolutely. And I think, again, just you were talking about, like, just kind of the visuals of it all. Like, the early seasons are especially great because they do have, they filmed on location a lot. So you get these just, if they're standing out, like, on a on a bluff overlooking the ocean, mm-hmm. they're actually standing on a bluff overlooking the ocean. Mm-hmm. And you can see the wind and everything. Like, it's, they didn't move to the kind of the studio lot until a little Mm -hmm. bit later, but it was just, yeah, I think that added to the coziness as like, yeah, they're actually like, it's, they're actually there. Like it's so, it's so beautiful. Plus that theme song. There is nothing cozier than the theme song to Murder, She Wrote. No, hands down best theme song of all time. cozy but having like so you you usually review the episodes that people uh have they've resonated with people the most 
would you say there's like a formula? I mean, cozy mysteries are formulae kind of in and of themselves. But within those episodes, obviously you said they're Jessica Fletcher heavy. So we see a lot of Jess. What are some other elements to the more popular episodes of Murder, She Wrote? Is there like similar weather? Is there a similar type of plot? What, 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 what makes a, an episode of Murder, She Wrote particularly cozy? Well, of the, of the 12 seasons, there was only a handful of them, of them that were actually in Cabot Cove. Because mm-hmm. one of Jessica's things is like, like you were saying earlier, like she, like her niece gets killed or like her niece is involved in a it's murder. It's always her niece. Yeah. So she has to go to New York to save them or whatever. Her brothers and sisters are terrible at raising kids. I just have to say that. Yeah. yeah. Very absent parents. Very absent parents. So she's not in Cabot Cove a lot. And the recommended episodes are heavily skewed towards Cabot Cove. So people mm-hmm. love that small town. Mm-hmm. Jessica, like riding her bike, going over to uh, Doc Hazlitt's house just kind of like the familiar elements of the show, which is like the recurring characters and a like beauty parlor called Loretta's and the ladies of Loretta's factor heavily into like four episodes, only four episodes, all four of them and re- recommended. We've done all four of them already because <laughs> people love just like the characters of Cabot Co. So I think for me, those are the ones that I noticed recurring the most are the ones that are, that keep those familiar things like her relationship with Doc Hazlitt and Sheriff mm-hmm. Metzger and Loretta's ladies. The only thing I would add to that too is I think smaller spaces in a way. So Cabot Cove, but also we just watched one recently where they were doing an excavation and, but they were in an isolated archeological dig and they're camping in little areas. And I think maybe more intimate settings, even if it's in the middle of a desert where it's a group of people and they're all in close proximity to one another as opposed to there was one in like New York and you're they're walking around the streets right. or in other locations where they're not as, I don't know. In confined spaces. Exactly. I say more confined. Yeah. That's why I would imagine the New York season didn't do as well because I, I you know, it wouldn't be as cozy to me. That's what you want the New England feel or at least a small town feel with the characters you're familiar with and whatnot. I'm surprised that you even choose a smaller city like, Boston, for instance, that mm-hmm. seemed that would seem more fitting for the show. Yeah, I don't choice. know. Yeah, they went in a weird direction because I think yeah, that's a lot of the stuff is people liked is because it is a small town thing. Like I grew up in Montana, and it is even though I didn't grow up watching the show, I there's still like such a huge nostalgic hit to it because it is any small town almost like you recognize aspects yeah. of any small town. Having grown up in one, it's like yeah, that is exact. Like they really do nail it. I think they were the writers were like. They probably all grew up in small towns because they like all those elements of it. It just rang so true. So I think that's why going back to Cabot Cove, they're like, yeah, that's that's what works the best. And that's why maybe later on we don't have as many people recommending, you know, when she's running around New York City. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it makes sense. You mentioned Doc Hazlitt earlier. Let's take a second to talk about Jessica Fletcher's love life. Because I watched an episode last night and it the basically this the episode was Jessica's niece's husband (laughs) (laughs) commits suicide. And um, anyway, not to bring it, sorry. Uh, I feel like I just brought it down. Like, let's cozy. And (laughs) so cozy. It was by the fire. There was a mug of cocoa next to his body. We should all be so lucky to go. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, so um, she's getting over that. They go on a cruise, kind of just take a vacation. And they're getting all these messages from the dead husband that's like messing with her mind. And there's a whole plot behind that, that, that Jessica solves. Also in the episode is Leslie Nielsen, who is her, is the captain of the ship. And they have this like strangely flirtatious relationship. 
And the episode ends with him asking her to dinner. And I feel like that's about as far as I think Jessica's ever gotten. I feel like it's a bunch of yeah. gentlemen who request to dine with Jessica Fletcher and we're meant to infer something from that, that maybe there's some follow-up. But she has she had, like, any... Passion? I, it's not, yeah, I mean, the thing is, like, her, her she's a widow, right? So yes. her... Frank? Frank. Frank mm-hmm. is dead. And so... I don't know if it was like out of respect to Frank or maybe they thought that the the viewing audience would have like thought that she was, you know, a floozy if she floozy. were, you know, had a life after Frank. <laughs> but I I don't know. I, I'm curious to to know, like, does she ever like date people in the show? Like, does her love life get explored? Love and boyfriend? Because I do know that they, going back to what I said about Doc Hazlitt, that's kind of like a teased will they, won't they? But I, I guess we never know. One of Angela Lansbury's before she ever took the job, because they went to other people before they went to Angela Lansbury for mm-hmm. the role. Uh, Gene Stapleton famously was attached to it first from uh, All in the Family. That fell through when they came to Angela Lansbury. One of her things for taking the show was no love stories. Jessica Fletcher, it's not going to be a, depending on a man, or going to be some love wow. thing. She is a lady doing it for herself, mm-hmm. and she doesn't want any of that. So they do almost going back to the recurring themes is like, I don't know if it's every episode or just the episodes people recommend. They are, dudes are constantly flirting with J.B. Fletch, whether they're 22 or 82. (laughs) There is always someone trying to throw the moves on Yeah, one of the workers on the boat was like, oh, it was a guy with doing a horrible Italian accent with a mustache. And he asked her to, if if she wants to see his hoochie coochie. And Jessica, you know, she took it in stride, but later joked with Leslie Nielsen, like, I hope you won't show me your hoochie coochie. Anyway, it was pretty hot. Yeah, <laughs> I think she's kind of... I. So in the intro, you see she still wears her wedding ring, which mm-hmm. I think is a thing. And like Ben said, everyone is flirting with her. Um, but in this last episode that we just watched, she plays her cousin and her cousin was kissing someone, and it was so startling for me to yeah. see because I'm like, Romance. I get that that's not Jessica, but it's still Angela Lansbury kissing someone on screen, and it was just so not a part of any episode we've ever seen before. So just seeing her have an actual interaction with someone was very startling. And I think there was one episode where she did kind of show some interest in someone, and then he ended up being a killer. So Spoiler alert. Yeah, the pilot is like... <laughs> The pilot is like the only time where she like kind of shows some interest in somebody and then he kind of ends up being. Oh, it well, figures. I love that she stood her ground on that issue. Once again, you're bringing that trivia. I had no idea. Yeah, she yeah, she did want it to be. And I think that's another one of the endearing things about this is it wasn't she's a woman in her 50s and 60s when she's doing the show. She's a woman helming a show at that age. Point to one. Like how how many of those are there? And so she she wanted to do it her way and she didn't when she wanted to mm-hmm. be like she wanted to show like yeah this this is possible and she i mean how many shows have done that since yeah it's Murder incredible i think it really is so smart because there are so many love triangles and cozy mysteries and sometimes it, it is intriguing and it, and it and it pays off but a lot of times it overshadows the mystery 
And it kind of takes away from the coziness because it's so formulaic. Mm-hmm. And it's like, can we just skip this whole thing that I know is going to end this way because I've seen a romantic comedy before? And, and it feels like it just avoids all of those tired cliches and embraces the tired cliches of the cozy mystery genre. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One of, like, we have talked about, like, you know, Jess and Doc Hazlitt's relationship before. Mm-hmm. And I've, my belief is that Hazlitt is just her gay BFF. Like, he was, you know, oh. he's an old dude. He was married in the past. And people are like, no, he was married. He's not gay. I don't know. Like, because they don't, they, they do want that, mm-hmm. like, they love that will they, won't they kind of thing. Or it's almost like, it's almost like just a mutual ad- admiration that doesn't, is not a romantic it's one. It's not a romantic love, but it is. They absolutely love each other, but it's just not a romantic love. But it's like, he's just like, you know, kind of like, a bachelor, she's a bachelorette. Yeah, I think it just point, you know, highlights the fact that people can be friends. Like even the book, yeah. she's spending a lot of time just with to have company with someone else, just to grab dinner, so she doesn't go alone. She's more than happy to go alone, but it's, sometimes it's just nice to have another person. She to is chat so with. social. She's always inviting so people social. to dine with her. And oh it's yeah, like, dancing wow. the whole yeah. nine years. She loves to dance. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, and it, and I like that. It, it almost seems like you know Frank was her one true love, and she's like, I don't need. Yeah, I don't need anything there, else. I'm that, good. And I, I had, I'm not going to achieve that again. I had it, and I'll just enjoy the rest of my life. I'm not going to look back and be like, oh, too bad that's gone. She's like, no, I'm going to soldier yeah. on, and I'm going to live the rest of my life. I'm, I'm glad that she really put her foot down and had a vision for the show. Even going back to, I, she recently was interviewed about her possible reboot, and she's gone back and forth uh, on expressing interest about returning to the show, I think. Most recently, she seemed to express some some level of interest, or maybe I'm getting that confused with the last time she was interviewed about it, but <laughs> she's also said, look, I'm a totally different woman than I am now. Like, it, it just really wouldn't be the same, and she wants people to think of Jessica Fletcher as the spry um, woman in the show and not really, you know, what she is now, which mm-hmm. is, you know, a pretty elderly woman. So the... That sounded so rude. I, I feel like no, I'm going to find a different way to say that, but it's said true. That, I mean, right, yeah. right? There's another way to say it. Yeah. I mean, it wouldn't be the same show because of that reason. That's I know. Mm-hmm. She, 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 you know, just wouldn't be as active in the show mm-hmm. as, as, as she was then. And I, I totally respect that, too. And I know they tried to reboot it with Octavia Spencer, right? What do you guys think about attempts to either, like, reboot the show with Octavia Spencer <laughs> or, um, or bring... Uh, Angela Lansbury back for like a movie or something. A movie, maybe. <laughs> a whole movie, okay. Because she has done, the, I think the most recent movie was like 2004. Really? And she was in Little Woman. But yeah, the most oh, recent. Oh, her most recent. Not, not, not. Oh, no, not the most Fletcher. recent murder she wrote movie was like 2000, early 2000s. Okay. I don't want to say exactly. So she has come back for four movies mm-hmm. after the series ended. And the most recent one was like 14 years ago or something. But in terms of a reboot, I've. I've never tried to hold anything up as like too sacred because I remember, let me tell you a quick, let me tell you a quick story. Let's go back <laughs> in time. I remember when Daniel Craig became James Bond mm-hmm. and there was an uproar because a blonde James Bond, how dare you? You're <laughs> spitting in the face of Ian Fleming. Oh, this is ridiculous. And I was like, yeah, you know what? There's a tradition and they need to honor it. How dare they do that? And I'm like literally like mad about this having seen zero James Bond movies. <laughs> and I'm like, why am I getting worked up? Why would I care? Watch Casino Royale, which is, I think, easily the best James Bond movie. It's very good, yeah. Um, so I'm like, what am I doing? So like that silly little incident that happened, I was like, yeah, no, nothing is too sacred. So if you want to reboot it, fine. I don't think that's a problem. Like if you want to do it, mm-hmm. do it. If it doesn't work or whatever, then you know what? It's not like 
the original run is any less good mm-hmm. because of a bad reboot. No, you it's a healthy outlook, yeah. Nothing, nothing happens that original. But if they do reboot it, they better not give whomever an Emmy because if Jessica didn't win 12 Emmys <laughs> and this new person does, I would be very well, livid. Would she win one Emmy? No. But Golden Globes, yes. Globe. I believe I believe so, yeah. They'll give a globe to anyone, though. So That's the thing is, like, I mean, does the Golden Globe... I have globe? a Golden Globe. I was going to say, I was like, I could probably, you know, I'll... Un- I'll do something, get a Golden Globe tomorrow. It's <laughs> not that hard. But yeah, 0 for 12 on the on the Emmys. And she I'm, was I'm shocked. Yeah. Robbed. We need Jessica Fletcher on the case of solving who stole Angela Lansbury's Emmys. Do you all have a favorite episode of Murder, She Wrote after, you know, watching over 40 of them? Honestly, the last one I think might have been my favorite because it was double Angie Lance because she was playing her cousin mm-hmm. And herself. And so you got to see her being two completely different characters. You got to see her singing, wearing crazy outfits and crazy eye makeup and having an accent. But it was still holding true to Angela Lansbury. So I think probably the, and we haven't even covered that yet, but I think that was my favorite so far. That one is up there. That one certainly is. I think mine is still an epi- a little episode called If It's Thursday, It Must oh, Be Beverly. Okay, take it back. That's actually my favorite. Okay. It's that title is so intriguing. <laughs> it's so it's so great. I don't really want to give too much away, but we learn relatively early on, I think, that if it's Thursday, it must be Beverly refers to. There's I think it was the mailman is basically found like kind of all the widows on his route. <laughs> and he basically hooks up with one of the widows on every like they each have their own night and Thursdays is Beverly. And so wow. <laughs> It's like peak Loretta's ladies because you get all the ladies in the beauty parlor doing their thing. There's a woman whose name is Ideal Malloy, <laughs> and her name alone I love. It it's, sounds like a Bond girl. It absolutely sounds like a Bond girl. Loretta has one of those those deeps. This is Loretta, and it's so <laughs> she sounds like Harvey Firestein. Like she's so great. Like so, you get all these wonderful characters, and it's all gossipy, and you do you spend so much time in there. Like the crime is almost like a. Not even an afterthought, but it's like, it doesn't go anywhere really. It's just about spending time in this beauty parlor, and it's so much fun. And Jessica kind of goes in, and the ladies are all gossipy, but Jessica's kind of above it all. She just goes in, chats with her friends, but doesn't engage in the gossip, and it's just like a classy lady. One other question I have is like, is there what's the most insane? Because you've been thinking about these episodes, the series for so long. What is the most insane, noteworthy piece of trivia that you've learned as a result of hosting a show about Murder Ooh. She Wrote? I don't think this is insane, but I feel like this is more of a fact that I learned that's more of a testament to who she is as a person is she had one of her friends who I think was disabled or was having a lot of health issues. And so she had her work on the show as a side character so she could get her SAG award and be covered for insurance. And I thought that was just like such a sweet little thing she did. And it just kind of so endearing and really sweet that's so that sweet, warmed yeah, my it's, heart it's really nice yeah. as if you need more reasons to love angela lansbury yeah. right exactly i'm like oh you're just a sweet baby angel okay perfect <laughs> yeah yeah my, yeah behind the scenes stuff i think is like what i go to too because she she took over as executive producer the ratings were lagging she's like here's what we're gonna do and she brought the ratings back up like it was it started to slip they gave the reins to angela lansbury and the ratings went right back up. So she's the star of the show, but she's basically running the ship. And to go from starting, like, she came over here as a refugee from World War II during the uh, the, the Blitz, 
in London. She like her and her family came over here. Like, and it's just, and at the age of eighteen, she was one of the youngest Oscar nominees ever. Oh wow, I didn't know that. She was nominated for Gaslight in nineteen forty four. Five? Anyway. But in the mid-40s, anyway. We'll forgive you for not... <laughs> I can't remember the name uh, of Billy Madison, so you're, you're fine. So she's not... So just to have such a... The career like that, and she had a lot of, like, like great roles, but then, like, early in her career, like, she was playing Elvis's mom when she was three years older than Elvis, and it's like, she kind of got relegated to these yeah. old lady roles mm-hmm. super early on, but she still... She soldiered on. She made it work. And, and she rocked those roles. Yeah, absolutely. Like, the maybe the greatest movie villain of all time is The Manchurian Candidate. Mm-hmm. And it's 100% in that performance. So, it's I just think her just kind of taking control of the show and just being like, no, here's what we're going to do. And just, and, and course correcting this show for another six seasons in it as a number one show is, is insane to me. Yeah. She had that level of confidence at that time. It's pretty incredible. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it, it, and it reminded me too, actually, even just talking about how amazing she is. The costumes. Mm-hmm. I love. I love her her clothes, and I wonder how much control she. I'm, I'm assuming all of it, but I think her clothes are always on point, and they're still. They still look like they would be iconic today. Like she could walk down the street in that outfit mm-hmm. and be like, she she's really looking sharp. I literally <laughs> just got a new pair of um, glasses that were JB inspired <laughs> and everything she wears. We always, that's ends up what we talk about most of the time. I came to work today. I was like that leopard coat with the Kate from last night mm. is ideal. I want it. <laughs> I want everything about her wardrobe. I feel like it's just recycling and it's now everything's back on. It's really amazing. It's, yeah. it's delightful. It, it always has like all these amazing details and it, it, all of her clothes Prince. flow in a really beautiful way. I could go on and on. <laughs> yeah, no, she wears, and it's, like, age-appropriate, but it's still, like, she's not, like, reserved to, like, old lady clothes. Like, mm-hmm. if she's going to a ball or something, she's wearing a gown, and right. she is wearing that gown. But then she also has just, like, these cozy knit sweaters that... Oh, the knit sweaters do it. That are, yeah, yeah fantastic. I think it was in the pilot episode. It was a costume party, and she showed up as the Good Witch of the West. Yeah. And it was just the most eccentric, beautiful, but just perfect costume. It didn't seem out of place. Mm-hmm. And everything, again, I just wanted my own wardrobe. It's amazing. So where can people watch Murder, She Wrote now? Nowhere? Because, I, again, I tried to watch you an episode discs. last night. I had to, like, uh, find it illegally, unfortunately, just to, just to watch it, to have it fresh in my mind. Because I, I, I really would have paid for it. I looked on Amazon. I looked on, obviously, it's off of Netflix. It's not on Hulu. It's nowhere. I think you just have to buy the DVDs. I think so, too. I signed a petition on change.org <laughs> to keep it on there. Well, I think we've solved the problem, though. I mean, <laughs> I, I was really, really upset about it. And then Ben bought the box set, so I'm watching it there, and he just bought me the DVDs, too. Aww. But I know. It's like if he takes care it. of everything. It's so cozy. Aww. Yeah, it's really frustrating, especially because we want to be able to watch it with people, and it's mm-hmm. so becoming less and less accessible right now. Well, I don't even have a DVD player. Like, I want to... You know, I would buy the whole series because, like, why not? I deserve it. It's it's great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But... It seems like a perfect where, show where to stream. Where would I play it? I know. Perfect show to stream. I don't understand. Maybe it's too much data. Like, maybe yeah. <laughs> they don't have storage space to log all 12 seasons of Murder, She Wrote on yeah, one platform. Yeah, hundreds of episodes of <laughs> Murder, She Wrote. Yeah. <laughs> it's just too big. Too big to stream. Well... Well, but it's worth finding. Christmas Try to find present. a DVD. Yes. You can't... Present. You can find stray episodes. You can watch like a little postage stamp in the corner on Daily Motion, like I did. 
Um, wouldn't YouTube. recommend it, but... Think no, have... scrubbed off of YouTube. Good uh, luck. I no think clips? they have... I think the Hallmark Channel still might show it. That's okay. Thank you. So it's also on Hallmark. It's on... Just not during the month of December, because that's on, when it's... And it's on their Murders and Mysteries channel. I can see it on my dial. My dial, again, one of my hundred. <laughs> <laughs> I can see that program on my dial. <laughs> But it's like I don't know how to get it. It's like you don't have this channel. It's like, is it really a channel? I think you're. I think you're messing with me. And also, it's not one of those things you can just put on on demand. You have to like truly be watching it like at 11 p.m. at night. It's like, okay, no. <laughs> yeah, life it's doesn't like, work like this anymore. Do I want a DVR full of Murder She Wrote? I guess I do. <laughs> Any other final thoughts on Murder She Wrote before we move on? Guys, listen to Murder We Spoke. I'll Mur- just, listen, yeah. There's yeah. Shameless yeah. Murder We Spoke. Um, we take. Recommendations. We're only doing 70 episodes, so we only have a few left. So get your recommendations in. And we want to watch your favorite episode. And we want to talk about it and know why you love this episode. And where can they send the recommendations to? You guys, we are on all the social medias. (laughs) We're even on Snapchat, believe it or not. Yeah, Marissa forced me on it. Um, (laughs) On Twitter, on Instagram, Murder We Spoke, on all those, on Facebook, anywhere. We're going to move into our next segment which is Celebrities That Calm Us. Who, who will we discuss today on Celebrities That Calm Us? I'll go ahead and get started. The Celebrity That's Calming Me is based on the episode that I watched last night because I just it's hard to think of them, and so you just kind of take the first one you get, and it's Leslie Nielsen. Leslie Nielsen is profoundly cozy to me, and when I found out that he was in a Murder, She Wrote episode, I that's the one that I chose to watch. I was like, okay, so I, I really have to, to see him in this. He's just so, he's so funny, but also, I mean, he's just a great actor. He's very serious. I think, and that's why he is so funny. He's a great straight man. He can just deliver deadpan, deadpan line delivery. And that's like, that's the whole joke of um, the naked gun movies is it's this ridiculous person who says awful things, who thinks he's in an action movie, but he's in a comedy. And he's just brilliant, and he's not really funny in the episode of Murder, She Wrote, I watched. He's just kind of the captain of the ship, which is... I felt myself on the verge of laughing the entire time I was watching. I was, like, waiting for him to make a joke or something, but I just enjoyed seeing him, and I, I realized how much of, of an integral part of my childhood he was because I feel like... I don't know. I, I The Naked Gun movies were just on constantly on cable when I was in, like, middle school and high school, and I feel like... I just soaked them up in a weird way, and so I watched a clip, clip show of them on YouTube. Not a clip show. It wasn't like it was, there wasn't a host or anything. It was just, it was just clips of the naked, like naked gun one liners, and they're they are like horribly inappropriate, and I mean very problematic now, but <laughs> also also kind of, yeah, also kind of funny still, and um, and just his line delivery is brilliant. He's just so serious, and mm-hmm. also Anna Nicole Smith was in one of the clips, and I was like, oh, I miss yeah. you. I miss Anna Nicole. Anyway, yeah, I won't go too. down that road. But that's not cozy. But um, no. yeah, Leslie Nielsen. I think I think he was just you know we talk about this all the time, and now we say it. Should we say the word cozy workhorses? He's a workhorse actor. Just constantly <laughs> delivers, never fails. Yeah. And, and for that reason, my cozy celebrity is Leslie Nielsen. And there's a good reason. I think if I'm not mistaken, I think he might even do more than one episode of Murder Show because one of the oh yeah he's recurring. Yeah, one of the trends is. They have the same actor on multiple times. Mm-hmm. Very rarely, if ever, play the same person. Right. And so I'm pretty sure Leslie Nielsen, Nielsen appears early in the series and then a little later in the series. Mm-hmm. So I think, so go back for more Leslie Nielsen. Def- will do. 
Um, Jillian, who's your cozy celebrity? Uh, John Mulaney. I hope I didn't say him before. <laughs> it's hard. One of our well, lovely listeners. Well, he's adorable, so you can say him twice. Yeah, yeah. One of our listeners created a long list of uh, John Pernasek, right? Mm-hmm. Um, of all our cozy celebrities is this big Google Doc, so I have to add him. But um, yeah, he's just adorable. His comedy, I actually laugh out loud at pretty much at all of his stand-up. Um, I love the relationship he has with his wife. His Instagram is super adorable. He just celebrated his birthday, which happens to be my dad's birthday. So also a really cute photo cozy. of him with a cake. It was an amazing cake. It has yeah. a, um, succulents on it. I, I, someone told me his wife made it. So yeah, and he's from the Midwest. So he's just super earnest. He just seems like a good guy, can really do no wrong. So if there's ever a scandal about him, I know. I'll be devastated. Don't tell Julian. <laughs> I know you just jinxed Keep yourself. He's like, dark. he's super earnest, can do no wrong. Like tomorrow we're going to find out. Like Pizzagate. Like is in John Mulaney's on Pizzagate. Yeah. She's just going to be in a corner oh, rocking God, looking Pizzagate. at that succulent cake. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If you ever see him trending on Twitter, don't click on it. Yeah. It's either something great, he's dead, or... Something, so yeah, scandal. yeah, it's yeah, yeah, it's probably for the best. On comedians and cars getting coffee, right? <laughs> um, yeah. that's a solid choice. Hmm. How about you guys? Who, who is your who, who is your cozy celebrity? Love that. Um, mine's Keith Morrison from Dateline. Uh, yes, you two are speaking the same language. I know, She's I, re- I realize that between the housewives and Dateline. Uh. Um, so because I'm a psychopath, I fall asleep to Dateline of Forensic Files every <laughs> night. And it's something about the soothing voices. Um, and there's just something so familiar and sing how he speaks mm-hmm. is just so relaxing and he can say the most absurd things or talk to, you know, the family of murder victims, but it's just very, I don't know. It's just it's soothing. You can't it's explain soothing. it. And then when he's there, he's like, lean, he's always leaning on something and it's like Lots a of weathered fences. Or, yeah, exactly. And you'll see him in a leather jacket. You're like, Keith, is that a, okay? Like you can rock anything. And, I guess I've just been falling asleep to his voice for so long that it's permanently, I can't, it's an ongoing joke where I can't stay awake for a full episode of Dateline. So every Dateline (laughs) is like a three-parter for me because I fall asleep on the couch and then have to restart it. But it's just really relaxing to me. And it just brings me back. Those Dateline episodes last a long time. As they should. Yeah, I mean, mean, they're one hour or the Saturday Night Mystery, which is two. And those are the good ones. But I always tell Ben, if I get murdered... And Keith isn't the one who's doing it. I'm going to be offended. Just don't have a date. Yeah, for me I even talked to my mom about this. Yes, we about you have to because you. I'm. Yeah. At that point, you have to murder the Dateline host until the, only Keith is left to do it. And exactly. they only have like two photos of the murder victim. They just replay them over and over. So please, I have to get more photos. <laughs> oh, At least I've, show five. My <laughs> sisters and mom already know which pictures to use of me in case I'm missing. That's amazing. So they'll like know to find me. But then once I'm, they find me dead. So, I don't know. They can remember me. Well. I wonder, I wonder what photos they would run of us. I feel like they'd probably like run the All Things Cozy podcast <laughs> photos of like us uh, on a candle. How, yeah. how devastating. I don't I don't think Ben, Ben, I think said he's like, I wouldn't be on your dateline. I'm like, okay, great. Thank you so much. They would just have like, yeah, my, pic- my face blurred out. Like, decided not to, yeah. Would not agree to be interviewed. Yeah. <laughs> Keith Morrison is a an All Things Cozy all-star. So, yeah, good pick. solid choice. Like I said, I've been watching a lot of movies lately because of Letterboxd. And so there's two celebrities that have just been like, just giving me all the feels. One is Keanu Reeves, because mm-hmm. I watched the Bill and Ted movies, the second one for the first time, and it is a Stone Cold classic. Mm-hmm. But just Keanu Reeves in that surfer, even like Point Break, rewatched Point Break, 
Just like that surfer Keanu, him lying in uh, in bed like silk sheets with Lori Petty, and it's just like everything about it. Like they're on the beach, and he's like, "I'm an FBI agent, but like I'm also like in love with this surfer chick, and I want to go. Sur- like I'm late to my own raid. It's just like <laughs> it's just so great. And We've the all been and, there. Yeah, and the Bill and Ted <laughs> stuff. I am so now excited for the third Bill and Ted movie. I'm losing my mind. Cannot wait for it. I just like, yeah, Keanu Reeves is, and him doing this press tour with Winona. Oh, yeah. That's and like then doing that, that, that's so, yeah. And then yeah, doing that. weird. Like, uh, I don't even know if it was like just before the interview started, but they're like being called iconic so much that she's like, hey, Keanu, you want to go do something iconic? Let's go do something iconic. <laughs> just like them just being like jokey about like, yeah, we're iconic. Like, it's just like so cute and I love it. And you never hear a negative word about Keanu. Yeah, I haven't heard any negative stuff. Didn't he donate like a huge portion of his Matrix salary to the crew? To the crew that worked on it? Yeah, absolutely. Wow. He's a class act. Yeah. It seems very calming too. Yeah, there's like, he's, there's nothing, even when he tries to play someone like super intense, like Neo or something, it's not that intense. He's incapable of being intense. He's very steady. He's very steady. Yeah, he's just very chill, laid back. And I'll go through my second one real quick. Again, old movies, John Wayne. I've been watching a lot of John Wayne movies. And it's like, again, it's one of those things I never grew up on. Mm -hmm. But for some reason, going back and watching all these old Westerns is just, it's so soothing. Because again, you see all these great locations. And the Duke is just, he's the Duke. Like, I don't know what, like, I didn't know what to say. Like, he's just so, he's like the biggest man in the room. He's got broad shoulders, but he still can be so small and vulnerable and or he can just be like in a silly western where he's like punching out, you know, horses and stuff. Like mm-hmm. he's he's got the range. Punching horses. And yeah, like you, you don't was, see that image on the Franklin mint plates. And it, like it was the 50s, so he probably actually punched a horse. I yeah. don't know. <laughs> this is before like, you know, Peter was on set making sure you didn't hurt anybody. Back back in those days, actors punched their own horses. Yeah. And I just watched like stagecoach like the stunts that they would do back then like you're just watching. It's like the, they're watching John Wayne ride on a horse. Do it's like you would not a major celebrity like that. Maybe outside of Tom Cruise because Scientology works. Outside of <laughs> Tom Cruise, like no one's doing their own stunts like that. Like he was on the horse. He's doing all this stuff, and it's it's just amazing and fun to watch. Like yeah, I, I need to watch more John Wayne. I feel like my mom would be proud of me. She loves a lot of old. Like, she's she's basically become a TCM addict. All she does now is text me about the TCM movies she's watching, and I actually really love it. Like, I'm learning a lot. She, I'm learning a lot about old Hollywood. So, keep it up, mom. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. TCM she is doesn't great. Listen to this. <laughs> <laughs> Parents don't know how podcasts. Yeah. Work. No, no, she does, but then she just like loses interest. <laughs> well, I don't think she'll make it to this episode. We'll see. This is the yeah, test. Yeah, the test is the true This test. is the test. We'll that see. Is. I'm not going to even mention this to her. We'll see if she'll <laughs> see if she notices. Um, That's perfect. Those are great choices. Um, and. Unfortunately, we're going to wind down now with our candle review. This is another Patty Wax candle. I'm sorry. I'm kind of obsessed with Patty Wax. They're in a great price range, and they're usually pretty solid. This is a smaller candle. It's like a nice little $8 tin. Um, it's like two wicks. and I love the, the tin. It, it's a really cute yeah. tin. You could use that for you know any sorts of little things that you want to matches i guess or whatever you want to put some in a little tin pills i don't know and it's the william shakespeare library candle so it's a library candle series mm-hmm. where um each candle has a quote from 
the author. Although I had read online that the quote, and I, I didn't write down the quote, and now that the lids closed or open, so I can't see it, and we'll never know. But they say it was like not actually a William Shakespeare quote, which is embarrassing for them. Anyway, <laughs> sounds about right. So th- they divide their 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 scent notes by three levels. So there's top, middle, and base. So there's some new vocabulary for us as candle reviewers. Um, The top note is eucalyptus, sweet lime, and cardamom. And the middle notes, iris, lemongrass, papyrus. And the base is palm, sandalwood, and bamboo. I mean, I love it. I think it's great. I I am getting the woodsy notes of it, honestly, and it is really good. I'm getting, it's it's a little sweet. Are you getting like a sweet, is that like the lemon piece of that? It's got to be. You know what's weird to me? It reminds me of shaving cream, like a Barbasol or something yeah, to yeah. me. I don't know why, but but not in like a overpowering way, mm-hmm. just like a subtle, like someone just lathered some shaving cream smell. on their it's face. It's a little barbasol I think yeah. Barbasol. I think I'm just biased towards the library series. I love their little tins, and I have had a few before in different scents, and mm-hmm. I've always enjoyed them. So I, I, I might be clouding my bias, but I like how it's not overpowering. It's just a light note. Mm-hmm. of it because we hate cloying smells yeah. that my, are super sweet my favorite candle smell i mean one of them is eucalyptus and mint so yeah. i like candles have eucalyptus in mm-hmm. it yeah same anything with like a a wood base with base and i'm using the words yeah. uh <laughs> and, and the eucalyptus top note is really up my alley yeah it's same i like that too it, it smells like william shakespeare i guess yeah i, I don't, don't know. know how they decide to their notes for the Different authors. I'd be curious. Yeah. Did he use a lot of papyrus? I don't know. Yeah, it's like, did he write with like a, a, I don't know, some sprigs of eucalyptus next to him? Yeah. Like, he always had a wedge of lime in his mouth. You yeah. know, a sweet old, lime. Yeah. Old Billy. He loved his lime. Yeah. Silly Billy Geist, silly yeah. Billy Shakespeare. Um, okay. So we have a convoluted rating process for candles. <laughs> we each can give the candle a wick. So there's a maximum of four wicks we can give this candle, and we're each we each have one wick we can give it. So and half wicks are okay. Half wicks are okay. okay. Even, we've had guests who have given it fractions of wicks. So feel free, just go wild. There are no rules here. So um, except for the ones I just laid out. Is it based entirely off scent or also appearance? Anything. Yeah, you can. Yeah, you can, okay. you can okay. Total package. Total package. So Marissa, I, we'll start with you, and okay. then Ben, Jillian, and me. So I give it one wick. Okay. Right? Is that what? Yes. Yep. One week. Okay, that's good. Okay, perfect. I'm just like, I'm not great at math. One out of one. Great. Okay. <laughs> I've, we've been meaning to change this rating system since we started it. But now but it's kind of like a running joke. No, yeah. I love it. Um, we got to commit to it. I think it's jog. I, I, I know I said Barbasol, but it's jogging a scent memory that I can't really place right now. Mm-hmm. But it's a familiar scent, but a good. So I like that. And I also love rose gold. And I love that you can repurpose it for pills or whatever you want. <laughs> yeah. So that's what I'm. One wick for me. I think I'm going to go one wick as well. Scent-wise, I would have gone like three-quarter wick because it is a little sweet, but I do like the woodsy elements in it, and it's not overpowering. It's not too strong. It leaves just like a nice scent that, you know, you're not like, what is that? You don't walk into a room and be like, where is that coming Mm -hmm. from? But the tin, the tin puts it over the edge. So one wick. And one wick for me? I'm going to give it 0.75. I'm going to give it three-quarter wick. Just to record our, like, I, I agree with Ben, like, the, there's, like, a little bit of a cloying sweetness to mm-hmm. the scent that, like, ultimately could, I don't know, it could make my nose tired a little bit after a while, but I, I love the tin. It's ultimately, like, all around, like, pretty solid, and so it sounds like we're going to give it three and three-quarter wick. <laughs> yeah, sounds good to me. What a natural and comfortable mm-hmm. rating. It just makes total sense <laughs> yeah. for a candle review.
All right, so we want to shout out Jenny K. Brown for the wonderful five-star review. Mm-hmm. You wrote that you loved this coziness, and we love your review. It's a, it's a, The feeling yeah. is mutual. Yeah, whenever I read them, I get a little warm feeling inside. I know, it keeps us going because yeah, we're literally really getting sweet. nothing else except for your praise. So, you know, <laughs> thank you. I talking <laughs> with people on Instagram and our Facebook group and our Facebook page. So it's always popping over in the mm-hmm. Facebook group. So please join Jenny in leaving us a five-star review. I, I should just say review to be unbiased, but who's kidding? Anyone? Yes. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> if you have nothing nice to say, don't say it at all. Um, we're fragile enough but as it is. We're very grateful for <laughs> we're, in all, we're in all things cozy podcast, review. right? This, is, this, isn't, this isn't WTF with Mark Marin. So, you know, our skin's really thin. <laughs> Anyway, so yes, please uh, leave us a five-star review, and you know you can join the Facebook group that we have. The more, the merrier. We share cozy things in there. It's cute. Yeah. Um, and you can follow us on Instagram at All Things Cozy Podcast, and you can like us on Facebook. Why not? I mean, I don't know if anyone's still on Facebook, but if you're still there hanging out, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> hang out with the rest of the Russians and the All Things Cozy podca- uh, Podcast Facebook group, and, and like us on Facebook. Where can people find you, Mercer and Ben? Um, obviously, I mean, you said it a little earlier, but Let's plug it again. It's worth yeah, it. My, Where can people find your... Plugs. No, but you're wonderful and truly like last podcast standing for Murder, She Wrote. Um, we just don't know when to quit. <laughs> when the, <laughs> the universe is telling us to and we say no. Uh, Murder, We Spoke, we're on all the, you know, all the down... All this, yeah. Uh, Murder, We Spoke on Instagram, on Twitter. There is a Facebook group. We post stuff in there. Again, it's like Facebook is... Uh, the murder sh- murder we spoke page and all the racist family members I have that I block. So that's <laughs> yep. what Facebook there that's what many. Facebook is to me. Um, yeah, and then we're on all the you can download us wherever fine podcasts are found. Stitcher. Um, there's other ones I've signed up for that I don't. You can tell Alexa to listen to our show and she'll do it now. I don't oh, know. Wow. I don't know how I pulled that off, but somehow that happened. That's cool. Oh um, no, now I have to try that. Yeah. Alexa, play murder we spoke and she'll do it. So right now, right now, someone who's playing their podcast with an Alexa nearby just, just started playing your podcast. That was very smart. Yes, and you do have to listen. You can't turn it off now. You have to listen all the way through. We loved having you on. Yeah, thank you so, so much. Thanks, you thanks. Thanks. Thank you for the banana bread. This was so much. Your fun. company, your patience. Yeah, and all your knowledge about the show. Like, I, I'm definitely going to look up all these extra facts when I get home. I mean, we have to. We have to bring something. You brought a lot. To come on to ours. And oh, we'll of course. Yeah, thank discuss you. Discuss more murder. Yeah, I know. I have a fellow, not the murder enthusiast, but um, we're <laughs> a, a fellow crime show. Let's enthusiast. call it what it is. They're, yeah. they're going to start a podcast called Murder We Did. And, yeah, exactly. And then. Sounds good. Amazing. Go listen to Murder We Spoke. Go subscribe right now. And as always, stay cozy.